Welcome to episode one of season four of the 10 Minute Break podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Dowd, here alongside Killian Lyon. What up, boys? And Roland Wagsback. It's good to be here, back for another season. Yeah, we're all excited to be here in our new studio, and I think Roland's going to delve a little bit more into that. We're now up in the uh, what is the old newspaper office. We have these these fancy new microphones that I'm still kind of figuring out how to work, honestly. And uh, we have these these headphones on. That's just, it's making compared to last year, where we were huddled around a desk with a little like one little microphone. This is a world of difference, and I'm really excited to see what is going to happen with the podcast this year. These this setup is so fancy. I'm getting stage fright. You know, I'm feeling very nervous. There there's so many different things going on it's it's very scary killing killing don't be scared you got to fight through it you got to fight through it for the people listening i'll fight through it all right killing what's on uh what's on the list of topics today all right y'all today we're gonna talk about a couple things we're gonna start with a welcome week recap go straight into our football recap against the game against slidell last thursday ended with a dub let's go and then we're gonna introduce a new segment called killian's concerns and so, I'll explain that later, but just be on the lookout for it. Without further ado, this is Season 4 of the 10 Minute Break Podcast. Alright, now for our recap of Welcome Week. Um, so, Roland, you want to run us through the weekday and what kind of happened every day? Yeah, so uh, Welcome Week is it's a, it's an annual tradition at Jesuit, which is student council puts on a week of events for the student body. It's especially for like the, the freshmen and eighth graders, so they can feel more welcomed into the school. And all the, to the theme for this week was we were celebrating the Dodrens bicentennial. Big which, word. Yes. Big word. Which, for those for those listening, it's the 175th anniversary of Jesuit. So we made the we made the theme of Welcome Week around Jesuit on Monday. We celebrated the athletics of Jesuit with a focus on uh, baseball player Rusty Staub and, uh, and current NFL players Debo Jones and Foster Morrow. Then on Tuesday, it was supposed to be a celebration of Jesuit's musical history, but due, on, due to an unfortunate circumstance, the music day was moved on to Wednesday, which was joined by a celebration of Jesuit's mascot, Jason. And then... On Thursday, we celebrated the future of Jesuit, the next 175 years. I don't know what the fancy term is for whatever the 175 plus 175 is, but I'm sure there is one. Let's just let's just start and talk about um, you know, that first day. Um, you know, I heard that you got a little uh a little excited. You were kind of letting letting the successes of the week uh, go to your head. Uh. Can you give us a rundown of what happened in that home run derby? So the success of the week didn't actually go to my head, but a, a metal baseball bat did. So we were in the home run derby, and I was standing a little bit behind home plate, and uh, a, ba- a bat slipped from the batter's hand and flew into my nose. It pretty much hit me square in the face, and uh, it broke my nose. Which was very unfortunate for the rest of Welcome Week. So, so how are we doing now? I mean, it's still broken. It's getting better. The uh, the doctor told me I likely won't have to have surgery, 
which is which is wonderful news because I really didn't want to have reconstructive nose surgery around Christmas. But uh, the swelling's gone down a lot. I still have a little bump on my nose, but my my black eyes and the rest of my discombobulation are all gone. Um, uh, that's good. Um, did you have any uh injury to the mouth? Any teeth loosened up? No, it was pretty much, for getting hit in the face with a bat, it was pretty much the best case scenario. I didn't lose any teeth. I didn't have a concussion. I didn't lose any functioning in my brain. It was just straight nose. I, I guess we can uh, look for the good in that situation there. Always. Always got to be optimistic. Um, I guess the next thing is just like kind of as a group here, like discussing what our favorite events were. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Sadly, I wasn't there for the future day. Heard it was a great day. It um, was. You missed out. Um, I mean, would you say your favorite moment was the the ringing, the ringing of the? Oh, I sorry. I meant the ringing in your ears when you got hit in the face with a bat. But I guess the ringing of the gong was pretty good too. Yes, for for me, it had to be the the one seventy five assembly. It was just it was so cool to be on stage and just celebrate the rich history of Jesuit with every other student in the in the, in the school except for Patrick who just decided not to be there. But what was the reason college? Was? I went on a college visit in Boston, so we all know what, college isn't important. Oh, what college was it, Patrick? It was uh the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Oh, smart guy over here, also huh? known as smart MIT, guy. folks. It's a pretty prestigious college, if I say wow. so myself. So going to the number one engineering school in the country beats Patrick, out Jesuits' one hundred seventy fifth assembly. Only here, Rowan. Would that, I would never would that do that. Discussed. I would only never here. do that. So are you saying you want to be an engineer? Possibly. We'll see. Doesn't really matter. That is quite cool, man. But I thought my favorite event by far was, um, I thought musical chairs was might have been the most funny thing I've ever witnessed. I'm going to say in the second game, that was Larry's, Larry won that and Jasper muscled him off of the chair. And apparently there was a redo and Larry just gave up. He was not about to fight Jasper over that chair. But I thought there was lots of candy, lots of gummies. Um, everyone kind of enjoyed it. Uh, I will say the one great game I played, I lost in the first round. There were some questionable moves by my opponent, and and by you, if you lost. No, I, th- I think no, you're really I, I, salty about this. It was it was cheating. I mean, it was Patrick, cheating. Patrick it wasn't that seen by the starter pack. I wanted the starter pack, so um, I guess, but I did think that was it was awesome and it was hilarious to watch. Well, for me, uh. I'm I'm gonna agree with Roland. The assembly to wrap up the week was actually incredible, and the best part had to have been the resurrection of the gong, with the gong Mark II, because you know you're sitting there, you had some kids give you speeches, you know it was quiet, you were patient, then all of a sudden the lights went off, the music started playing, the crowd got hyped, and you saw the beautiful glorious gong. Go down the go down the aisle, and you saw Rowan, you know, broken nose and all, broken nose, six four, bang the gong. It was a true sign of Jesuit's power. All right, well, I guess moving towards that assembly, looking at just like 175 years as like a whole, um, what do you guys feel as like looking at 175 years? What does that like mean as a student to be? on campus as a student, especially a senior for that 175th year? I mean, whenever there's a big anniversary of anything, it's special. And especially being a senior and uh, 
and I'm I'm a big part of student council, obviously. So it's even bigger deal to me, of just being here to celebrate such a monumental occasion in Jesuit that'll go down in history as one of the one of the greater years. You know, we have these cool patches, we have flags all over the place. We're saying the word Dodron's bicentennial, which is way too hard to say, but we're doing it anyway because we're celebrating this anniversary. I guess for me, it's obviously it's cool that we're seniors going into this. It just means it just showed me Jesuit's rich history and how you don't realize how far back Jesuit uh, was founded. And, you know, we walk these halls of a building that's about 100 years old. You know, I'm walking the same halls as my uncle and my grandfather. It kind of helped me realize where I am, what what has happened before me and what's going to happen after me. It's cool to experience that and to have an understanding of that. I mean, just for anything to be 175 years old is an accomplishment. To be able to do it at such an exceptional level that Jesuit's done it for the last 175 years just shows even more, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool. Um, you kind of look at, you know, in that assembly, I'm aware that they had the founding clubs that have been there all 175 years. I thought that was a really special thing in allowing the seniors of those clubs and organizations to be able to stand up there. And I thought it really really kind of put in perspective. I mean, you see every day all the clubs meeting. I mean, we're he's sitting here making a podcast. I mean, think about 175 years ago. You still had the fills. You still had Sodality. Some of these hallmark clubs of Jesuit that have um, tenured through all of the times that have, you know, been tough here at Jesuit. And it's, it's just special to know that I'm here being a part of that history that's going to hopefully extend for hundreds of years to come. So while we're talking about 175 years of excellence, I want to talk about the excellence that happened last Thursday night. All right, now I'd like to introduce our first guest of season four, Jesuit High School place kicker, Aiden Corbello. Thank you for having me, Roland. It's good. We relied on you a lot in the, uh, the game this week. You, how, how are you feeling about that? Um, I'm actually grateful for y'all, you know, for getting me into field goal territory. That y'all wouldn't have happened, you know. I'm just glad I got to help us, you know, get some points on the board when we couldn't score a touchdown. I mean, place kicking is arguably like the hardest mental thing to do in all of sports. What goes through your brain every time you kick? So I just recently got good at the mental side because my whole life I've played multiple sports where I've had multiple chances to, you know, correct an error. But as you, um, as you can tell, you only get at most maybe three kicks, which is a lot in a game. So, you know. You just gotta have to do the same thing every time, like I said previously, and you know, keep a keep a mental state, stay calm, and you know, next kick. Um, do you think there's anything about kicking that you know someone like looking on might not understand? That's kind of important. Well, a lot of people, like I'll go for for the LSU game, for example. A lot of people, as y'all can see, the kicker is getting a lot of, you know, like a yeah. lot of criticism right now. What people don't see is that the left side of the uh, line. One of the guys had the wrong assignment. So he stepped in and then went to the outside guy, which allowed that inside rusher to get in for a better angle. And if he would have stayed inside, that guy on the outside probably wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. So kickers, it's, you know, it's definitely a head game because it's like if you make it, you're praised. If you miss it, a lot of people aren't going to forget that. And there's a lot of components between the snap, the hold, because you want to keep the same thing every time. But, you know, if it's a bad snap or maybe a bad hold and you have to stutter to give your holder time or something like that, it can completely change the outcome of the kick. So it's just 
it's a whole ball game that people don't, you know, see really because yeah. they always think like, oh, you do one thing. So I can do my thing by myself, but it's a whole different game with the snap and a hold. Yeah, thank you. Do you think the kicker took too long to kick for the Osher game? Do you think he hesitated at all, or do you think it was just what happened? No, I went back and watched it a couple of times. I think if he did leave a little bit late, I still think he would have done a good job because he was fairly consistent throughout the game. He, um, It was definitely that left side of the line. Me and my dad, who's actually my kicking coach this year for the first time, I'm very grateful for that. He... uh. We were looking at it and we were trying to see, you know, maybe he did leave late, but the guy had a clear shot through, you know, the left side right on the inside of the uh, left end because he went the wrong way. He went toward the outside and was supposed to go to the inside, so kind of allowed that guy to get an easy block on it, straight shot. I think one of the most uh, unrecognized points of your game was uh, your kickoffs. You went, every kick went into the end zone. How do you think that impacts the game? Well, I think it definitely impacts the game because, as you could tell, the, the defense was not, you know, getting smoked the whole game. The defense was doing a great job at holding them back. So, you know, just the fact that – because we knew that they had good returners, and if they had one good return and they could, you know, set up for whether, you know, maybe it was a field goal or, you know, maybe one big play like they had when they stopped, when they um, started, like, closer to the end zone. But if I can make them start on the 20 every time and give our defense a lot of time to, you know, stop them, that was one of those teams that our defense knew that they could stop and, you know, give our offense more chances. So, yeah, I was just trying to get it in the end zone every time and um, did it. So worked out. I've seen you kicking pretty much throughout my entire time in Jesuit, basically from ninth to now 12th. Um, I'm assuming you haven't really been kicking, like, your whole life. What really got you into kicking? Was there, like, I know you're a big soccer player. Is that, like, a big thing that, like, helped vault you into kicking? Well, that... I always played soccer, but on top of that, my dad was a four-year starter at LSU for kicking, so it's kind of always been there my whole life. I've always been, you know, kicking a football. Now, personally, I've never always wanted to be a kicker. I used to play receiver, you know, a lot of baseball, a lot of soccer. I love that. But freshman year when we had Coach Sanji here, I ended up winning the starting spot for a kicker because I just went there because, you know, he asked me, and I was like, sure. Ended up winning the starting spot and um, took off from there. And then as the year went on, they had a Luke LaForge, the long snapper, and he was a great long snapper, actually long snapper LSU for one year before he left. He, um, You could just tell on some of his snaps they were getting slower and slower. And that's when Coach Sanji was like, you know, we'd rather have three points almost every drive as opposed to maybe seven points a game. We don't want you getting tired if you're playing receiver. So, you know, that hurt me a little bit personally because, like I said, always played receiver, loved it, loved everything about it. But I think I like helping the team, you know, score points more and winning games. So there's an upside to it. Yeah. Is there anything that, as a kicker, you want people to know that they might not know from being on the outside of that position? Um, it's not like a receiver or quarterback position. A quarterback can miss, you know, a touchdown throw, wide open guy, right? He can still come back and make 10 more throws that drive to overcome it. Kicker only gets one shot. You know, kicker can go four for four and then game-winning field goal from, like, you know, a six-yarder, something ridiculous. If he puts it off the post like I did last year, it's a big thing. The Brother Martin guy last year missed two PATs and a field goal in the game where I put it off the post. But, like, my one miss overshadowed it all. So, you know, you only get one shot at these things. So it's not one of those positions where, you know, you can just – come back from it, you know, keep going over and over again. It's like, no, you only get one shot, and that's why the next kick matters the most. Something really cool I saw on Twitter that you obviously saw as well was uh, 
Hall of Famer Saints kicker Morton Anderson uh, tweeted about your praise. Does that mean anything to you? I mean, honestly, that that means the world to me because Morton Anderson, I knew he was a Hall of Famer. I didn't, you know, I didn't obviously get to watch him play or anything. From what I'm told, my dad always told me, you know, he's one of the best of all time, Saints. So just seeing that, I was, uh, honestly, I was just very surprised because, you know, there's a lot of great kickers out there. So I was like, all right, me. And I looked at, like, another website, and I think in high school there was, like, I think out of the kickers that I usually kick with in these, like, uh, little camps, like guys that are known, I think there was four game-winning kicks out of, like, 30 big games. So I just thought it was cool that all out of all those guys, Morton Anderson, you know, retweeted mine. I thought that was awesome. All right, so looking forward, you know, to a long season, uh, we have a lot of big games coming up, especially against Ruston, which I know is known to be a big public powerhouse school. Um, how do you think we're going to do? You know, what are your predictions for that game? So as we already know, Ruston is a very physically, they're a big team. They're very fast. And it's not like one of those teams that, you know, they have the – the whole physical aspect and they don't have the coaching aspect. No, like all of their coaches are ex-NFL, ex-college players. So I think their defensive line coach was an 11-time pro bowler for the Bills. And I don't know if it's their offensive coordinator or maybe a quarterback coach, but Steve Ensminger, the uh, the OC for LSU at one point during 2019, he's there now too. So it's like they have a lot of experience. But for us, there's no reason we can't play a great game and, you know, win. We have everything. The only thing we need to do is – pretty much lay it all out there. There's really no plays we could take off because it's been said the whole the whole time. They only uh, do like onside kicks and sky kicks and stuff. They don't really go deep. So this is a special teams game that can win it once again. But it all comes down to, you know, like if our offense can move the ball down the field over and over and over again, our defense I think can get a bunch of stops because we have a very good defense this year too. So it's just one of the, another game we can win. And uh, Roland, you have any input on top of that? I mean, it's Rustin's just a great team, and it's one of those it's one of those games where I believe we're a great team and two great teams playing each other. It's gonna be it's gonna be a close game, and it's just gonna be who who plays better and who puts more effort in. And it's it's especially when it comes to the physicality. Rustin's Rustin's so physical on both the offensive and defensive lines, and especially because we're we're more of a run offense, that physicality is gonna be a big part of the game. And just whoever turns out to be tougher, and I think whoever rushes more in the game for more yards will will emerge victorious. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Aiden, for joining us today. It was hey, you uh, have me, guys. Yeah, it's been fun, and uh, hopefully we can see you back in here after some more clutch kicks. Oh, that'd be awesome. Hope for a great season. Yes. Thank you. Wow, those are some really great insight from those football players there. You know, kind of commenting on that game, and. Uh, now I guess we're going to move on into our, our newest segment here on the podcast. All right, y'all. The time has come. Welcome to Killian's Concerns. All right, Killian. I mean, I've been excited for this for a long time. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a real great hallmark of this podcast so killing killing what are we talking about today so well, today what y'all what, what are we doing here so so far on killing's concerns i'm going to give you a list uh, it could be top five top three of just anything that i just that that is in my mind 
So for today, I have constructed the top five types of noodles. You're right. I know that's crazy, but that's just something I do. I mean, are we talking about pasta or are you going to, I mean. Well, let me, yeah, just like noodles you eat. And maybe other types of noodles. All right, I don't know. Whoa. Let me, let me, whoa, whoa, okay. What, what's what, going on here? Whoa. Let's, hey. just, let's just let him get into it. Let me get into it. So for number five, I have rigatoni. You know, it's just a classic dish. You can bake it. You can put it into, uh, you know. What I'll, is rigatoni? I am honestly have no clue. Rigatoni, I would say, is about a pasta, maybe inch and a half, two inches. Uh, it's got a diameter, a hole inside. <laughs> it's got a hole inside of it, diameter. I would say about a couple millimeters. Um, so it's one of the. It's a longer. It's a longer pasta. Not longer. So like kind of like penny, very, but like a, a long penny. Yeah, it's a long. It's a, it's it's a thicker and more wider penne. Okay. And, and why and why is it such a, an important noodle to you? Well, for me. There's so much variety, you know, portion size. You know, spaghetti, you try to get a portion, you know, spaghetti's falling off the spoon. Uh, it's, it's, it's leaking everywhere. You eat spaghetti with a spoon? No, but when you, <laughs> when, you, when you try to get the spaghetti at the pot and you got either the spoon or something. You ever or heard something. Of a, have you ever heard of a fork, fork twirl, Killian? No, no, I'm not talking about that. Oh, you I'm mean talking, getting out of the yeah, pot I mean, right getting, after the I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the confusion. Yeah, I mean getting out the pot. You know, you have some sort of spoon attachment for noodles, whatever, and you get it and it's leaking out. No. For this, for a rigatoni, it's very portional. It, they're very small, and so you can know what you're getting. I, I just like the texture of it personally. You can put it into dishes where you can bake it, you know, with uh, meat, cheese. My mom does that. And so, to me, it's a really good di- dish, and I appreciate its value. And then going into that, I'm going to go with number four. Number four for me has to be lo mein noodles. Now, that's an Asian dish, and to me, that is the best – if I go to an Asian restaurant, I will get that type of meal. I will get the lo mein noodles, steak lo mein. It's just, all right, so if for those of y'all that don't know that, it's kind of like a spaghetti noodle, but it's thicker, and it kind of absorbs more juice, I would say. So it just provides more flavor per bite. And so that's got to be my number four. I mean, I personally like that take. I think that's a, you like that a take? good take. I, mean, I, have, I have no problems with that. That's okay. very reasonable. Okay, okay. yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm there for y'all. All right, number two has to be fettuccine. Whoa, number three, Whoa, number three, three, three. three. Oh, Don't sorry, skip all the sorry, list, boy. Come on. No, I, I messed up my numbers. My list is messed up. Number three is fettuccine. Okay. Okay, because I like fettuccine because you know, it's it's the same length as uh, spaghetti noodles. I'm kind of like comparing these two, the you know, the classic spaghetti noodles. Now for fettuccine, it's the same length. Um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, wider, and it allows it kind of. If y'all ever had fettuccine, it stacks up. You can have different thicknesses in your bites. It's easier to twirl. It's easier to get clusters of, and I like that. Um, and so I, I really do appreciate fettuccine and what it's done for me in my life. I mean, I agree with this. I mean, fettuccine Alfredo is, exactly. is, an, is that, almost that's an like unbeatable a top five. dish. That's a top five. It has to be top sure. five. And I would say fettuccine would be the best for Alfredo. I have never had it with marinara sauce, so I wouldn't it's know. Not, it's not made for marinara. That's it's what I'm saying. It's made for Alfredo. So, I mean, and it's good. It, that, that's just what it is. It, it's okay. just situational. It's good. Yeah. What's now, this? for number two, it has to be bow tie pasta. Bow tie, okay. That's, that's, this uh, is a win take. No, no, no. That's a straight take. I'll tell you. Let me tell you something. Bowtie pasta is the most overrated. It's not fun to eat. You're wrong. You're hearing no, this? no, you're, you're, you're hearing this. You can't eat it with a spoon. You have to eat like a fork. You have to like stab it. Which is, you can stack which, it. Which goes you can against stack every like rule what, of noodles. What's that? So, what, what, I mean, okay. Patrick, Patrick. Personally, I hate. I hate bowtie pasta. Okay, let me I, I don't explain like why you're wrong. 
Would you like to go first, good sir? All right, just think about this. Bow tie pasta has all these ridges in one piece of pasta. It's amazing. So it, it's detailed. Exactly. It has little crevices just to get more sauce or meat or whatever you have in your bow tie pasta. And along with that, you can look good eating bow tie pasta. It resembles no a bow tie. Come on. Oh, yeah. Wait, That's I didn't just, even realize that. This is just silliness now. Like, right. This right. is wait, wait, can I, can I talk? supposed to be can a, talk? Serious, you had your talk. a serious you had your talk. topic. You had your talk. And you're out here making silly claims. Uh, well, let me make my claim. Let's say, you know, I'm going in for a bite. I'm like, man, I'm not that hungry anymore. Let me take one pasta. Boom. You can just take one bow tie. Let's that's, say, a, that's a wonderful point. Exactly. What's, let, let's say it's one of the most oh, diverse wait, pasta. I just got my Penny dish. Will get that I just got my dish. Time. Oh, I'm starving, but penne is not detailed. It's not beautiful. It's got the bow tie sides. Beautiful. No, no, no. I mean, barely compared to bow tie. No. Okay, okay, fine, fine. What? Number two. Let's what, let see. Me bow tie is not oh, only. Also, what up? Bow tie is not only functional, but it's also elegant. Oh my! And there needs elegant. to be some With points the silly for that. Points well, real together. quick, hot take: If bow tie was fried, you know, Copeland's they have a fried bow tie appetizer. I would put this my number one. Okay, fried bow tie is number one. Anyway, for the true that's number one pasta, it's got to be tortellini. I don't even know what oh, that pasta. is. I like that take. So I'm not, I wouldn't put it number one. It's tortellini. But I like, like that, that take. Right, so what here, is tortellini? All right, so tortellini is like a ravioli. But it's more detailed. The curves kind of curve up. It, it gives you more. Oh, space. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a, it's a good. It's, it's, it's a good. It's more, right, more bite size. So I like exactly. It's more bite size. I like I like pastas where you can put stuff inside of them, like ravioli and tortellini. Creates a more bite size, more friendly version of it, and I really do enjoy that. And so, for me, number one's got to be tortellini. And real quick, I would like to make honorable mentions of ravioli, egg noodles. Uh, I don't know if y'all know what those are. They're kind of like you know spirally okay. noodles, okay. and yes. then pool noodles. You got you got to have pool noodles. Have pool noodles, noodles are important. Yo, it's the diverse. Diverse. I mean, they're inflatable so rings are better when you're talking about pool toys, but pool noodles are a staple. They're, 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 I mean, but rings aren't noodles. And see, I appreciate the recognition of pool noodle because it is the diverse noodle. Yeah, it's not it, a pasta. It's, very, it's not a pasta. It saves a lot. And I, I would like to add one more thing that I feel like just completely was missed out on this list. Uh oh, ramen. Let's ramen not noodles, talk about this. Okay. I mean, we have to talk we don't, about it. We, we can't talk about it. Okay, yeah, I guess we have to, we have to okay. touch on this. Okay. Ramen is the most affordable pasta besides being delicious. And it serves as like the perfect base for any dish. You get ramen, you can add steak to it. You can add chicken to it. You can add like green onions. All of it's perfect. It's the perfect base of a dish. I mean, and besides that, it's the most cost-effective noodle. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that take. That is a perfectly good take. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, it, it's it, a good take. I think it was snubbed off Achilles' list, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I might have. Move on. I, I personally don't eat ramen, so I might have forgotten that. I just, you know, it's not part of my menu. But. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today in uh, Killian's concerns. Thank y'all for listening to Killian's concerns. All right, now um, we're just going to look forward to what's going on in the future for uh, Jesuit. I think the number one is football game versus Rustin. Um, Roland, you have a, a quick few things you can say to kind of give insight to our student body? I mean, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to feel like a playoff game. We're going on like a six-hour drive to, some, to North Louisiana to a city that's going to shut down their city for this game. I mean, the people of Rustin love nothing more than a good football game. And that's what they're getting. Everybody in Rustin's going to be there. And it's going to be like a, like a complete away atmosphere for me. And that's not something I've ever experienced before. 
So I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Um, I think the next thing that's important is uh, singing Ring Mass and Dance Killing. I mean, do you have any insight as to, like, you know, kind of if you're excited for this uh, dance and whatnot? Uh, first of all, I'm, I am excited for the Ring Mass. Uh, seeing all the seniors uh, in suits, you know, together with their families. Uh, you know, we get our rings. That's something that we've been looking forward to since uh, junior year when we designed them and uh, uh, paid for them. So it was, it's pretty cool now that we get to finally have them. Uh, I'm excited for the ring dance. I feel like it would be a good way to kind of start off the year, true. Also, as seniors, I feel like it will bond us, you know, kind of like junior prom. I feel like that was a really fun dance. And, yeah, so overall, I'm just really excited for this weekend and what it has to offer. Um, I guess the, the last thing is coming up, we're opening the cross-country season in a few days and uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, and we're going to go there and run against some very fast competition and hopefully come away with the dub to defend that title. Hopefully the cross-country team can repeat the win last year. Oh, of course. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that's the big things looking forward, and uh, we'll probably discuss them in a future episode. And after and that... The real, the real next thing you should be looking for is episode two of season four of the 10-Minute Break podcast on Apple Music and Spotify. See you, folks.